This is the SETN Podcast with Chris Goforth and Chandler Morrison, covering high school football in Chattanooga and the Southeast Tennessee area. The SETN Podcast. Welcome in this week to SETN Podcast alongside Chandler Morrison. I'm Chris Goforth. You can find us uh, on Twitter at Sports Chandler. You can find me at Chris Goforth1. SETN Podcast. We talk high school football in Southeast Tennessee. Glad to have you with us. And of course, you can always find us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash SETN Preps. You can find the uh, podcast there and you can find any, uh, any details we want to share and get out there with you. Maybe other places where you can find the podcast. You can find everything you need to know at facebook.com slash SETN Podcast. All right, Chandler, let's uh, hop into it. We got week one in the books. Uh, I guess the weather this week is the real story of, of high school football uh, in southeast Tennessee for week number one because this was as this was as bad as I think I've ever seen. I mean to have and look I can I can think back over the years of three or four times when I've had uh, Friday nights like the one that we had this last week. But I don't know that I've ever seen it where it is this widespread. I mean this was a uh, they pretty much everybody was affected one way or another with games that were played this week. Yeah, I thought that was the most interesting aspect of it. That you know, unless they were playing out like toward Nashville or up toward Knoxville, everybody pretty much got the brunt of, of the rain that was going through. And I'll just tell you, I was at South Pittsburgh, Sequatchie County this this past Friday, and it was just a torrential monsoon. We had to delay the game by 30 minutes. That's the first time I'd ever seen a game at Sequatchie County delayed at all. Now, how was the field? Because I had heard that the field there was just – I'd heard the field there was just – that it was bad, that there – six inches of standing water is what I heard. Is that – was the field in tough shape? Well, uh, the, the South Pittsburgh probably would have been all right with bringing a ship with their pirates. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so the answer is yes. Yes. Yeah, we'll we'll talk more about that game, uh, South Pittsburgh Sequatchie mm-hmm. County coming up as well. Uh, recap some of the games from Week One. Let's hop into uh, a little bit of headlines just to kind of kick things off here. And I, look, this is a story yet that it's a little bit of breaking news, but Cue the music. Yeah, we're, we're we need some fancy music for this, don't we? This is yeah. what I understand. Okay, as I understand it. The start of the 2019 high school football season in Tennessee will be pushed back one week. That's what the TSSAA is telling Jamboree organizers, that instead of the season starting the third week in August like we do now, so we have the Jamborees like the second Friday in August, and then the season starts the third Friday, what we would have would be the Jamborees on the third Friday in August and the season starting uh, the fourth Friday, which uh, next year in 2019 would be week one of high school football will be August 23rd. Another way to look at this, it means we'll play two games before Labor Day instead of three. Currently, by the time we get to Labor Day, you get to three. It's almost like this, Chandler. And if you and, and I love all levels of football. Okay, we talk high school football here. I do a radio show in Atlanta on college football and. You know, last year I was part of the Atlanta Falcons radio network, so I love football at every level, okay? I'm the guy that watches freaking Canadian football, for crying out loud. But, <laughs> but, Denzel. but, oh, that's another story. But 
it has it has always bugged me that by the time the NFL starts, we're pretty much like halfway through the high school football regular season. You ever notice that? Yeah, uh, I always find that very interesting. Even with college football, we're done by a month, a well for the national championship in college football. I think it's a good move because also when you're looking at it from an academic perspective, I know Sequatchie County and a lot of the schools in the Valley, they start, uh, they started like the, the first, first week of August, really. And so they were starting the first week of August. The Jamboree was right there, you know, was right there around that first week. And then they're rolling right into football. And so this kind of gives the football players a chance to, you know, practice is going to be tough anyway and you're going to have the scrimmages, but it gives them a chance to kind of get into the academic side of it too, so I kind of like that move, uh, along with the move of it being closer to what other football seasons are on the upper level. You bring up a good point, and I and I agree with you. You know, we have the heat acclimation period, right? How about an academic acclimation period too? Yeah, yeah because basically, like in Hamilton County, where my kids go to school, they were basically in class like six days, seven days, and then there's a jamboree. Yeah, and, if, and even if you're not looking at the Jamboree, that's two weeks you're in school and then you got a game. But, I mean, how much is that going to factor in? Because, you know, you have scrimmages, you know, through the, you know, pretty much the third week of July, the scrimmages start. You right. Know, not even the 707, the scrimmages, hardline scrimmages. And so if you're doing your job there, you shouldn't, you know, it should be kind of like you're going into a game. But, you know, I think pushing it back a little bit helps with the heat acclimation because you have a lot of kids this year that because of everything going on and because of the regulations they put on it, they've not been able to play because they've actually had to get back into heat acclimation if they've been injured or something like that. Um, go ahead. No, I, I tell you who won't like this move. Some boys basketball coaches. Yeah, I, I could see that because, you know, we – the interesting thing is I see the, the, the repercussions of that every, you know, every year because in the Valley, and I hate to go back to the Valley, just that's just what I know. Well, that's home. Uh, that's all right. That's all. <laughs> but uh, we saw that, you know, in the past few years when Marion County has been really good in football and got to the state championship, it's a small school. It's a 2A school. And so a lot of times the girls' and boys' basketball teams wouldn't be able to play basketball until almost January. Yeah, well, I can, I can tell you when Nick Morkin was the boys' basketball coach at Marion County back in the late 80s and the early part of the 90s, Coach Morkin – he always said that schedule was very, very light in November because he just assumed every year, hey, look, football's going to play four or five games in November and December, so we don't need to, you know, I'm not going to have my full complement of guys until probably the second week of December, so I need to schedule accordingly. So it was almost like, you know, high school basketball didn't really kick off until – well, basically the holiday tournaments, right? You know, at, at around you know Christmas, or maybe you had some around Thanksgiving, but it was usually around Christmas back then was when it really started to get cranked up. Because again, especially in small schools at one A and the two A level schools, you're faced with a lot of your male athletes not being available until you know you, you hope the you know the first week now. It's going to be the second week of December. Yeah. I mean, I even saw, like, I think two years ago, Marion County, they didn't even schedule any district games until after the first of the year. You know, sometimes you have those early season matchups. They didn't schedule that because they knew they would have to forfeit them 
or they would have to reschedule them anyway, so why not go ahead and schedule them? Now, it was tough on them going later, but, you know, I mean, that's just how they had to roll because they were having a good football team. I mean, that's just the things that come along when you do have that good of a football team. But, again, that is the – if there's one little piece of, of news this week that we can talk about, it's, it's the idea of starting high school football a little later. That's what the TSSAA is telling Jamboree organizers, be prepared. Understand you're probably going to go a week earlier uh, or a week later, I should say, in 2019 than what you went this year. Also, too, I've always hated the fact that the state championship games, and this goes back to me being a football fan and how I look at it, Chandler, I hate the fact that the state championships are on the same weekend as the SEC championship game. That kind of throws you off, especially if you have to cover high school sports um and, and that also i, I gotta say this pushing it back later that's also going to create more of a night atmosphere for high school football because earlier in the season uh you have the kind of the day games you're not having to turn the lights on to like the second quarter or so i think i like that because it's, it's going to more toward the night game you get the atmosphere of the game um but then you get down into the second week of december and you're freezing your you know what off uh <laughs> up in cookville well you know, let me tell you, there's a lot of people that will trade a little bit of frostbite for a chance to play for a state championship. So, and I can certainly, uh, I can certainly understand that. So I think it's a good move, and and let's uh, let's do it. It was funny though. I saw somebody this week on Facebook had said, or maybe it was on Twitter. I think it was on Twitter. Somebody said, "Well, this is you know talking about all the rain and the storms and stuff." They're like, "And this is why we shouldn't play. This is why we shouldn't be playing this early in August." And I'm like, so it doesn't storm in September and October? Because <laughs> we, you know, look, that's just something that just happens. And Friday night was an absolute mess. It was a complete monsoon. As a matter of fact, we had three games. That's where I want to go next, Chandler. We had three yeah. games get canceled. You had Marion County and Hickson. Field conditions were terrible there. Ray County, Cleveland, that one was canceled. Soddy Daisy, Red Bank was a game that was also canceled. And I don't know if you saw this or not, the statement that Red Bank football put out. Uh, Chris Brown, their their head football coach, uh, apparently Red Bank had turned in a request to Hamilton County back in the spring to have a busted drainage pipe fixed, but it hadn't been repaired yet. They never did it. And so, and I love the comment because Chris Brown in his first year, uh, at Red Bank, he said due to Red Bank High School not having basic proper field draining capabilities and facility projects at Saudi Daisy High School, they were tearing up their track. Uh, the game between the Lions and the Trojans will be canceled. So basically, Chris Brown at at at, uh, at Red Bank basically just told uh, the Hamilton County School System that hey, you guys didn't do your job that we asked you to do. Good for him because that's something that they turned in the request back in March. It's something that should have been done. Yeah, that, that's a that's a bold move, but I applaud him for that because you know you, you I don't care how new you are, I don't care you know you always got to try as a head coach to step in there and say you know do your job. I'm trying to do mine. Why aren't you doing your you know. And, and that's where the success comes from in football. I'm doing my job. Well, if I'm going to do my job right and I'm going to get you ball games, hey, uh, fix the drainage pipe. 
Right, and I, I did hear uh, the field conditions over in Hickson for that the game against Marion County. Uh, I had people say that that Hickson was uh, that it was bad too. That that was really bad. Now I didn't hear anything about how the field conditions were in um, in Cleveland, but I did have you know I did have people tell me that uh, Hickson was bad Friday. But I know Hickson got apparently Hickson, um, and, you know, and Red Bank and Sequatchie. I guess it must have moved right over the mountain, Chandler, because that strand right there, um, and maybe on over into into Bradley County from there. But that, you know, what do you want to call it? The northern part there really seemed to take a hard hit. Yeah, they did, and I, I just thought the rain was, you know, just just horrible to have on a first open night because you never, because for us especially, it's hard to get a feel of who is who because. You know, I'm looking at the three games that we're about to recap here in a few minutes, I'm, and I'm looking at the scores, and they don't look like football scores, Chris. I mean, they just they just look very odd. It was I mean, a it challenge in the kicking game. There were a bunch of mad kickers yeah. on Friday night because okay. it was it was not a good night to kick. Well, well, I will say this, Chris. It wasn't a good night to kick, but I want to say something. When you're in the when you're at a football field and you look up and those stadium lights are flaring out. And you see that rain fall down. I think I don't think there's anything more beautiful than seeing that rain fall down onto the field while football's being played. It's like this beautiful portrait, although it makes everything much, much harder down there on the Well, when you see that, what you want to hear is the voice of John Facenda narrating the game while people run in slow motion. <laughs> That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. SCTN Films, that's what we're going with our next venture, right? I, I watch way too much NFL films. I love that stuff. All right, let's let's uh, let's get to some games that did get played. And I'm going to start with one on Saturday. This is one of the games that we talked about um, back last week in episode one of this podcast. Howard and Brainerd, boy, uh, Howard with an 18 nothing win over Brainerd. They held Brainerd to just three foot. It's all about the Howard defense, okay? And as you would expect, because the conditions were uh, were yuck, uh, to put it nicely, Brainerd had three first downs. All three of those came in the fourth quarter. So they went into the fourth quarter of that game with zero first downs. They had minus 27 yards rushing. They had three yards of total offense and then four interceptions. But here's the kicker. Brainerd had just one penalty in that game. If you, I guarantee you, if you would have pull, pulled Tyrus Ward aside on Friday morning and said, Coach, you're, you guys are only going to have one penalty, he would have said, well, we, we like our chances then. We're, we're going to be in this thing. And, boy, Howard, I tell you, you talk about teams that are built to play in the mud and the muck. Howard is a team that, that is built to play like that. They ran it 49 times. And they just absolutely pounded it right at Brainerd. And I think, uh, man, Howard is a really physical football team. And it showed, uh, and, and two, we mentioned last week about Tyrus Ward at Brainerd. How about, let's give a little bit of credit for John Starr and the job that he's doing at Howard right now, too. Yeah, you got to give him props for that. I, I, I will say this. I, I saw their leading rusher, uh, Javian Robinson, he, he had, Two, I believe it was two touchdowns in that game. Um, he did, he, but he, I don't think he got over a hundred yards rushing just to show you what kind of game that was. But you had eight different backs carrying the ball in that game. This was probably, this is probably one of the craziest games 
you know, kind of narrative in the game, but you also had the rain delay going in, and it just made it all that much weirder. You have a game going on over two games, and, man, I, you know, I think I think Howard has found its identity as a rushing team and to knock you down as a rushing team, uh, but I just don't know who's going to be the leader on the ground for them. I don't know if they'll do – maybe they'll do a, a running back by committee. You think that's what they're going to do now, uh, but that's that's all I can tell about uh, Howard after this game. It's kind of reminded me a lot of some of those teams that Tyner has had in the past. I mean, that's the way Tyner has done yeah. for a long time. They've had five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten guys that would carry the ball on a given night. And, you know, all right, here we come. We're coming right at you. We're, we're more physical than you. Now come beat us. Come stop us. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a play on the multiple offense, except you know they're going to run it right down your throat every time. You just don't know which one's getting the ball. Let's move over to the game that you saw. South Pitt, Sequatchie, we talked about the standing water on the field. If you would have told me, Chandler, that, hey, there's, you know, we're looking at six inches of standing water, it's, it's, it'll be ankle high or, or, or deeper in, or higher maybe in some places, uh, I would have said that favors Sequatchie County. Did it favor one side or the other? I mean, clearly South Pittsburgh won and they maybe not the most impressive of wins. South Pittsburgh when you just look at the score, but give me your impression and thoughts uh, after after that game was over. Well, the, the thing about it is South Pittsburgh was really impressive. When you watched them down the field, they, they, they you know, it would have been more impressive if there wasn't a torrential downpour. I, I could have seen, they might have held a goose egg on Sequatchie County if there wasn't a torrential downpour as well. It just might have been 35 or 42 and not 19 You know, the rain was really going to help Sequatchie County on the offense because it always favors the offense because you know where you're going. You know where your footing's about to go. The defense doesn't. So you know where you're going to go, and you can get around them. Uh, and it, 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 it hurts the passing game and slow down the rushing game, right? And it did for Sequatchie County. Sequatchie County was a stalemate. But South Pittsburgh, they score in every way you can think of, uh, you know, on offense. They had Garrett Ralston. He had a long drive, and then he pounded it in. They had the quarterback, Braden Sanders, who is, turned out to be a really, really good quarterback. Uh, you know, when they kind of hit that dry spell in the middle of the game where the rain kind of stopped, he hit a 60-yard pass, and then you had for a touchdown. And then you had uh, Rondo Tempton, who scored around the edge. Um, it, it, the Pirates just look complete right now. And, you know, last week I tried to defend the Sequatchie. I did. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. That came back to bite me in the butt. But now I'm convinced they'll have a tough time with Mary County next week because that offense is just it's, it's just not not a not an engine right now. It's just sputtering and making all these noises. You don't know what's going on with it. You're right about South Pittsburgh, though. That's the thing, and I think the emergence at quarterback for them and that true downfield threat that they have. I mean, we know they've got fast guys in the backfield, but now when you've got some guys that can get vertical. And can and you can throw it down the field. That's going to change a lot of things for them, uh, to where you can't just load up the box and and try to stop Ralston or try to stop Tipton. Now, once they can spread you out a little bit, get guys out of the box. It's going to change the way they play. I agree with you about Sequatchie County having some problems, and we'll talk more about that game coming up. Um, later on in the week, when we kind of preview week two, there's some pretty good games this week. Marion County and Sequatchie County. I don't know how good of a game, quote unquote, that's going to be. It's a big game because it's an old rival. Uh, when I was in school, that was 
that was one of the games in the Valley. But uh, I think Marion County is going to uh, name the field after former coach Ken Cockwood, who coached at both Marion County and Sequatchie County. But they will name the field um, after Coach Cockwood on Friday night. So I think it will be an emotional night there. Um, and I agree with you. I think I think Sequatchie County will have uh, they'll have some they'll have their hands full again on Friday night. More on that game coming up here in a minute. Let's move on to East Hamilton and uh, Signal Mountain. You talk about your weird nights. <laughs> so the game ended after midnight. First of all, so that's one. That's that's the first thing. Um, and East Hamilton wins the fourth straight year. They had a two-hour rain delay. A two-hour rain delay, and then at midnight, they have the lights at the stadium set on a timer, and they automatically cut off at midnight. And it's one of those deals where in case somebody leaves and forgets to shut off, you know, whoever it is, the coaches, the administration, or, um, you know, the janitors, whoever it is that leaves, the last one to leave, you know, somebody forgets to cut the lights off, they have them set on a timer, the lights go out that way. You don't have your stadium lights running all night. Well, they were set to shut off at midnight. The game, you know, you get a two-hour delay. Game's running way late. And instead of, you know, nobody thinks that, hey, we need to go cut this automatic timer off on the lights. They leave it on, and at midnight, the lights go out in the stadium. So then you have to wait for those stadium lights to warm back up when you cut them back on before they could start uh, before they could start playing again. Uh, shout out Sam Randolph. He was the star in this one. Um, he had a 65-yard interception return for a touchdown. He was clutch. Signal Mountain was driving with a chance to either tie this game or possibly win it late. And he intercepts a pass. There's like, I think it was 10, 11 seconds left when he intercepted the pass and ran it back for a touchdown. Um, you know, we had, you know, you mentioned it a minute ago about, we'd kind of talked last week about, hey, after week one, maybe we'll have an idea on who some of these teams are, what's their identity. And I think we know now Signal Mountain's a team, they're going to put it up in the air. They are going to throw it a lot, a lot. And it's interesting to see because they've got a matchup coming up this week with Tyner, and I would expect Tyner will do everything they can to take the air out of the football in that one and really try to shorten that game to limit the amount of, of passing attempts that Signal Mountain's going to have. But that's who Signal Mountain is, is a team that's going to throw the football a lot. I think East Hamilton is a team that at least – early in the year is going to play some really solid defense. A couple of big throws by their uh, quarterback in the first half that they were able to turn in. It's Kyler Johnson is the quarterback. A couple of big throws by him kind of gave them some uh, a little bit of breathing room early in that game, but it, their, their defense is really, really solid. Yeah, I, I thought Signal Mountain in this one, I, you know, I picked Signal Mountain last week. I felt that this would be kind of like their coming out part of this this kind of momentum, you know, kind of grabbing thing going into the season um, because I thought they had – honestly, it looked like I thought they were going to have a better offensive line than the, Hur- the Hurricanes were. Um, but, you know, when you get into those rain games sometimes, those guys down the trenches can become a non, you know, you know, 
you know, doesn't matter, you know, non-factor in this. Um, you know, I mean, there's still some factor in it, but they become less, and it matters how when your backs get past the line, how they start to, you know, cut and drag and all this other stuff. Um, but it uh, looked like I thought – I had seen the mountain in that one, and I was honestly surprised with how this one turned out. Um, and I think it just – the rain just really messed with this one. I, I would have loved to have seen if the rain was not there – what this game could have been, and maybe it could have been a barn burner. Maybe it could have been a Signal Mountain, you know, throwing way downfield. I don't know. SETN Podcast. Glad you're with us. Crisco Fourth Chandler Morrison. You can find Chandler on Twitter at Sports Chandler. You can find me at Crisco Fourth One. All right, here's what we're going to do as we, uh, as we wrap up our uh, kind of our review edition uh, over the weekend, kind of put a bow on Friday night that turned into Saturday's uh, high school football action. Highlight, low light, and fail. We'll give you one of each. Uh, Chandler, your highlight of the weekend. What was it? You know, I hate to stay with the Valley, but Grundy County wins their season opener against East Hickman 21-14. Now, some of y'all, y'all, y'all may not pay attention to Grundy County. It's way out there. The people of Grundy County had to put up with a lot of negative, really bad rep. If it's from Grundy County in a Chattanooga publication, it must be bad news, they think. I, I open, they opened up their season against East Hickman, pulled out the 21-14 win. This is the first time since 2011, Chris, that Grundy County has opened up the season with a win. Uh, that's just don't they have me. Don't they I, have Ezell Harding this week? They do, and they did get that win last week, or last year, excuse me, too. Yeah, so they so, got a chance. You know, Grundy could be 2-0. and Yeah. And, you know, I said last week, I think they can get three wins in a playoff spot. Well, I think after this one, they can get – they could be – hold your horses. They could be a five-win ten team. And if they get an upset, they could be in the playoffs because most of their wins are going to be out of region. But, you know, you're talking about this could be a five-win team when it's five-win team when it's all said and done. That'd be great for them. That'd be great for them. That'd be a great story. Uh, I'll give you my highlight of the weekend. I got a chance. Um, this is the fifth year that I've been able to do it, uh, to be able to broadcast the Corky Kell Classic down in Metro Atlanta. And I know it's a Southeast Tennessee, uh, you know, high school football podcast that we're doing, but man alive that the talent in Metro Atlanta and Middle Georgia, Rush Probst and his uh, Colquitt County team was there. Um, Salt, uh, Norcross and Mays and North Gwinnett. Um, North Gwinnett is as impressive of a high school football team as I've seen. Tyler Goodson, their running back, he's going to Iowa. They got a four-star wide receiver in Josh Downs that everybody's offering. They got a cornerback named Warren Burrell that's committed to Tennessee, a safety named Quentin Newsom that's going to Nebraska. It was just, I mean, there were, Rush Probes told me uh, on Saturday that he has uh, every single senior on his team will get a chance to go play football somewhere. Now, they're not all going to go to the SEC. Some of them will end up, you know, some of them will end up at, you know, at Shorter College or someplace like that. They may go NAIA or West Georgia, wherever. But he says every one of these kids will have a chance to be able to go play football. Just a ton of talent. Ton of talent. So, and it was at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is a, is a, very cool place to go. Very cool place to go. Even for a high school game when you've got, you know, it's a 70, 80,000 seat stadium and, and you've got, you know, you got 
eight to ten thousand in there for a high school game. It's doesn't quite have the same kind of atmosphere that a high school stadium does, but it's a it's an amazing experience for those kids to be able to go and play on the same turf where the NFL plays, where the SEC championship is played, where the national championship will be played, and where the Super Bowl in February is going to be played. I mean, that is an incredible experience. So that was my highlight for the weekend. Now, let's go low light. Uh, my low light for the weekend was the weather. I was at uh, Whitwell and Boyd Buchanan, an 80-minute rain delay in that game. And I know it stunk for everybody, but the weather this this Friday night was just... I mean, it was atrocious. I got there's you can't put it into words how bad the weather was. Man, I, I remember a few years ago being at being at Whitwell, and uh, I was over there doing an article, and it was I think first round of the playoffs when R.C. Helton was there, and I you know you couldn't call it anything else but a mud bath. You know, it was just a you know it was a torrential downpour, but you know R.C. Helton back in that day he was not going to go with that play, and he was not going to sit on the bench. So they played that game. And it was a mud bath. I think there was more brown on the uniform than there was red when they got done. I tell you what, the field there, I thought it held up really nice. I mean, it did not turn into um, it didn't turn into to what I would consider to be a really sloppy field at all. I, I thought even even after they had um, you know pounded it to death for a while, and the, and the rain uh, came down in sheets for what seemed like forever, I thought the field held up really really well. Um, what's your, um, what's your low light of the weekend? You know, I, I, you know, I would go with the rain, but I'm going to go with the game on this because I think that the rain is an obvious one. Uh, that's a good cop out there. Uh, Chris, uh, well, I didn't know we were pulling punches already in episode two. I thought I thought we'd go at least a couple before you started doing me that way. Uh, I'll try to get the knockout round two. All right, let's go. Uh, uh, but I thought uh, for uh, for Copper Basin, uh, Grabowski's out there. I think he's going to do an excellent job down the road. I think he's going to do a fantastic job there. I just felt like the you know when you looked at it, the momentum, it kind of changed for him. They got a change of the culture there at Copper Basin because of him coming back. I thought they might be able to keep this game against Polk County close, being you know it's kind of close, maybe a rivalry a little bit. I thought it was definitely the low light because it was just the expectations you have because you expect when a new coach comes in. I know it's the first year, and coaches first year, they always have an issue with that first game, you know, getting the, the jitters out and all that stuff. But I thought just because of the expectations that maybe you expect a confirmation to hang in there, maybe to keep it close, maybe even get the upset, I thought it was kind of the low light for me. I think, it, like I said, I think you'll do an excellent job down the road, and I don't have, you know, any, any hang-ups on him really. Uh, but I, I just thought it was a low light considering uh, the score was closer last year than it was this season. I just wonder how much talent they've got. Yeah, that's just true. being honest. I mean, I just wonder how much, you know, I mean, how many, you know, I mean, if you put Newt Rockney on the sideline, does it change much? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, what and, and the, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish up. You know, talking about the, the talent he has, I, I, I don't know if, you know, I think what he's going to have to do to be there in the long haul, if he wants to be there in the long haul, this might be a, a you know a, a program where he tries to stay there for a while and build a program up instead of just building the team up. Because there's a difference between building the team and the program. 
where, you know, when you're building the program, you're building it from little league up to middle school, up to high school, and building every step of the way and trying to kind of micromanage that talent from afar and bring it up to the high school and letting them do what they do and letting them point out who's going to be the good players for you. So I think that's going to be crucial to him along the way. If he stays, he's going to stay there a while before I think he might have success. I think he'll have pockets of it every now and then. I think he will, but I think that's going to be the kind of the way he goes. With it. And your fail from the weekend, Chandler. Listen, um, I got to go with, uh, I know it's kind of like weird, but I got to go with Notre Dame. They, they lost to Baylor. I looked down at my score. I looked down at my score app. Uh, I was at Supplementary South Pittsburgh, and I looked down at my score app, and I saw 7-0 Notre Dame. And I said, good for them. You know, I know they're in different divisions, whatever. But then I just started seeing Baylor, you know, start pouring in and pouring in and pouring in like the rain was coming down. It was Baylor coming down. And, you know, I know it's a bigger classification, and you were in the state championship last year, but, you know, you can't let Baylor embarrass you because there's also another aspect of this where the three schools, I think, in the Chattanooga area, as far as private schools, are Macaulay, Baylor, and then you got, you know, even though they're in a smaller classification, I feel like they're fighting for some of the same recruits that Baylor and Macaulay are. And, you know, I think that it's kind of embarrassing for them to because Baylor is not, you know, one of the top-tier teams. You know, they weren't in the state championship last year. I think they may have went to the second round in, in the upper division, but I thought that was really a bit of a fail on Notre Dame's part to not make that game closer. I was kind of shocked. Uh, the same uh, same on my end. I was kind of shocked. Uh, it's not what I have for my fail, but I'll tell you, I was a little – actually, I was kind of shocked at that Copper Basin Polk County score too. Um, was it shocked necessarily that – that Copper Basin didn't win. It was the margins of the losses in both of those games that kind of made me, uh, kind of make you turn your head a little bit when you first hear them. So I give you my fail of the week. This is easy. It was real easy after uh, after Friday night, uh, and that would be the uh, the picks that we both made <laughs> because we were both horrendous last week. I mean, horrendous. I mean, it would be it. Listen, if it would be Vegas, uh, we would be walking home because we would not have enough money to be able to fly back after all that we would have lost uh, if 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 it were Vegas. Of course, this is merely for entertainment purposes only, and Chandler and I would never encourage you to wager money on amateur athletics but even though it might become illegal might become legal here in the next few years it and it and it, and it very well may uh you may get that opportunity but again we don't condone such actions we just um you know try to shed light on them but yeah that was we were both atrocious so here's hoping that we're both better uh as we take a look ahead at week two some good matchups this week yeah, Chris, I, I don't think we would have been walking home. I think we would have been limping home because we would have. We were so bad, I think we had to on a loan shop back in the house somewhere. Yeah, I might have been washing dishes at the Bellagio or something like that by the time uh, <laughs> mine were so bad. All right, that's going to do it for us this week's SETN podcast. I'm Chris Goforth. You can find me on the Twitter at Chris Goforth1. Chandler Morrison, you can find him at Sports Chandler. You can find this podcast every week at facebook.com slash SETN Preps. 
check us out there. So we'll do this again later on in the week. Make sure you join us uh, then. Hopefully we may have a little special guest with us for a little while. We'll talk uh, some high school football and and we'll uh, kind of do a little bit of a preview of week number two and uh, get you ready for some of those games as well. So until then, have a fantastic week. Chandler, I'll talk to you in a couple of days, man. All right, we'll see you there.